Hi everyone! Before we start the show, I wanted to ask that if you like what we're doing here, you might consider donating to keep it moving onward and upward. We have a Patreon at patreon.com backslash Hegelbon and a PayPal at paypal.me backslash Hegelbon. $5 a Patreon will get you bonus episodes, but even a dollar helps more than you can imagine because no cartridge is funded by listeners like you. Thank you. Audio. My name is Trevor Strunk, Hagelbon on Twitter, and I'm really happy to have with me a longtime friend of mine uh, from Twitter. Uh, we've been following each other for years and years at this point, um, such such as it is at Twitter. Um, he's at he's at at now he's at at the near zone. Uh, you might know him from his podcast Weird of Sport, uh, which is a, a pretty cool little podcast. Uh, a lot about wrestling on there, but a lot about other stuff as well. Um, he goes by pen name Jay Onwuka. Uh, my friend uh, uh, Obi, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me. How are you doing, Trev? I'm good. I'm good. Um, so, like, uh, how uh, you've been? You've been podcasting recently. Did you like? Did you just want to? You know, I feel. I feel like you've always had stuff to say. So it doesn't mm-hmm. strike me that this is like a uh, a riding the wave kind of moment for you. How long have you been thinking about podcasting? Um, I've been trying to do some kind of podcast for i don't know maybe a year and a year and a half now um mm-hmm. i actually did one before called uh world uh the world champions podcast which okay. was it was just me and uh, i was doing wrestling history and uh so that's like from the uh late 1800s basically up until i got to the 1960s and then you know just stuff got in the way um yeah, sure. Yeah, it's a lot uh, of words. Yeah, so it just fell by the wayside. I really want to redo something like that, but I um, uh, haven't got the time to do all the research I want. But uh, other than, you know, then uh, then I got this idea to do the weird of sport thing, which is a really sort of uh, off kilter, you know, concept in that we're 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 trying to uh, sort of put together or cross over different story types uh, into pro wrestling. So mm. um, that's been really interesting. Me and my buddy, Jeff, uh, he's at Eminent Prof. On good follow. Twitter. Yeah, he's a really good follow. Um, and uh, yeah, so I- I've just really started getting into it, but um, I'm hoping to do some more stuff. I've got other ideas coming up for 2018, so we'll see how that goes. Nice. Yeah. Keep an eye on it, everyone. Um, well, cool, man. That's great. I Yeah, I actually wanted to ask you that question for a while because I, I saw you getting into it. And there's some people I see getting into it, usually not people I'm following where I'm just like, oh, they're sort of like riding a podcast wave. And, you know, maybe I could even keep myself in that category. But then, you know, you got I, I see people do it and I'm like, I think they just like had a podcast in mind. Like, I think this is yeah. I think this is more. So I'm glad to hear that I wasn't wrong about that. Um, makes me feel secure. Which is what this <laughs> podcast is about, man. Yes, this um, is the no cartridge Trev security boosting podcast. That's what yeah, this is this is just self care for me. Um, <laughs> so you're here today to talk. Speaking of self care, to talk to me about um, something we both actually were involved in. I don't talk about it too too much because it is so weird and so sort of in the past. <laughs> but um, 
this is this is something that I would I would define as kind of like extreme self care in a certain way, um, but also just like extraordinarily niche content. Um, we're gonna be like uh, we're gonna be branching out a little bit, but I think I, correct me if I'm wrong, but our main topic today is basically e fetting. Yes, yeah. This is basically because I've one thing I've noticed about no cartridge is basically like a nerd confessional. People yeah, can come on here sure. and talk about all of the embarrassing gaming things that they did in the past. Um, no, but uh, I, I think that um, e wrestling, uh, e fetting has like this really weird uh, cross section of. And I think that's one of the things that makes pro wrestling um, interesting to people is it's this really weird cross section of fantasy and reality and mm-hmm. this like structure. But at the same time, you have this freedom to do whatever you want. So, um, yeah, I think it sort of um, occupies this really weird space. And then also as a game, you know, this is a games podcast. So I sort of want to tie it into that uh, as a game. It's one of the few ones that really uh, focuses a lot on writing and writing skill. And right. uh, that's one of the things that really sort of attracted uh, my me to it is that it's like, you know, competitions and, and writing. Yeah. I mean, so, so for people who don't know, uh, e-fetting and, uh, you know, actually let me have you de- define it. Cause I think you'll probably have a more, uh, uh, thorough description of it than I will. Um, so what, how would you define e-fetting or, or, uh, e-wrestling in general? Well, um, it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's a nebulous thing. It's a really more of a form than a specific game. Um, but it's it's a game where different people get together and they sort of create their characters or choose their characters and they try and compete in a semi-structured pro wrestling uh competition so you you know you have your one guy named uh uh jackson mighty and then you have some other guy named you know alex number one or whatever and you're trying to see who's uh better and the way you do that is by writing uh different styles of role play pieces that's generally how it goes i mean there's Mm -hmm. been other styles that have uh you know come up that uh, I think we'll definitely talk about, but that's generally how it goes. Basically, based on role playing, somebody judges who did the better one, and they then uh, whoever did the better one gets to win and move on. And uh, you do that week after week. And uh, yeah, it's it, it's when you're in it, definitely it's strangely gripping. You're sort of really focused on all of the uh, the competition and how well you're doing and all that stuff. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's. It's kind of this fascinating thing because, like, I'm not—I've never really been into uh, into wrestling in the in the way that I, I know a lot of my friends are. Like, I I could I could tell you you know dribs and drabs about it. I you know I read um, oh, I can't even remember what it was called, but I read like the there was a website that sort of like focused on weird wrestling, and I read that for a little bit, and you know all sorts of fun stuff. But like, um, I have a buddy who's really into it, uh, who is the one who got me into e-fetting, uh, but the you know, primarily I know about wrestling via e-fetting. And I think the one thing that two things, I guess, that it really makes clear to me about wrestling that are are sort of like high level things about wrestling that just kind of become clear by way of this, of this form is that um, the management structure is just as much a kind of, um, you know, Kantian judgment of who, who's going to, 
you know, who's going to get over and who's not going to get over. Mm-hmm. Um, and that like, while the physical stuff is of course, like amazing to watch and like very much like a central point and maybe the central point, um, promos are, you know, compete for that central point. And, you know, I think much as you, much as I used to watch baseball expecting home runs and, you know, thinking strikeouts were boring, um, learning about e-fetting is like the way of like watching more baseball and realizing, oh yeah, strikeouts are actually the point of the game in so many ways. And promos are really the point of wrestling, especially in terms of brand or character, however you want to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really important point. And I think that's, um, one of the things that e-wrestling really focuses on is that non-wrestling portion of it. Um, and I think part of that is that that's one of the areas that's really easy to um, engage with. Um, one of the things, like, I, I don't know exactly, you know, as far as flow of the, the, uh, the episode, um, I had this, I guess, because I created the outline in my head and this was I was going to bring this up later, but there's also... There was, um, especially when I was starting out, there was a type of um, there was a type of fed or a type of role play that was uh, called match RPs, where you basically write part of the match. Okay. And um, that was in one of like the first e-feds that I was in for a long time. It was called a uh, high impact wrestling. Uh, shout okay. out to all my HIW mates from back in the day. Uh, but. Um, I'll listen. Yeah. Every one of them. Yes, all of them. I'm sure they are, and I hope they are definitely. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, it was like you know, so there was definitely that that element of it where people were trying to engage with the match writing part. But I think that writing action it doesn't connect with people as well as you know writing promos. And then even on the you know even when we're talking about promos, most people's ideas of you know, wrestling promos are the guy, you know, standing in front of the camera, yelling at the camera, yelling at his opponent through the camera, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I think actually one of the major types of role plays that I ran into were the story role plays. Uh, and we're, yeah. Yeah. No, no, I was, I was going to agree with you. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's very much true. Like the, uh, so like the first EFED I was involved in, I, I fibbed and said my, my one buddy got me into it, but actually <laughs> it was a different, it was a different guy who I knew from online who just asked me to to do it because he needed someone to, to be in. And he's like, I, you're a good right. writer. Can you do this? And I did. And it was fine. It was whatever. It was just on most of these. So like for people who don't know, most of these are on BBSs. Like this is like yes. bulletin board stuff. This um, is back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure they're still around it. I'm sure they're much more, um, I'm sure there are different, more efficient ways of dealing with it now, but it used mm-hmm. to be just BBSs. Um, and so like the, you know, it was fine. It was whatever. And then I started playing for my buddies, which I think was, oh boy, I'm, I'm going to figure it out. Actually, as we're talking, mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'll look at my photo to see if I can't figure it out. But um, uh, he like, that was a much more story driven thing. And what I found was like, you'd get mixes of styles in the same way that um someone was on talking about wrestling recently and I, I can't remember who i'm very sorry that i'm that i'm blanking on this but the 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 difference in style between like the southern wrestlers no no it was a paper i was reading by uh, by ian williams excuse me oh yes yeah it's good um he was talking about the ways in which um uh, Southern wrestling and Midwest wrestling and East coast wrestling or North, Northeast wrestling all had like character 
differentiations. Like South wrestling was very much like hardcore wrestling. Um, whereas like there was like the Northeast kind of Vince McMahon superhero style thing. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there are these levels of wrestling that rely on style of presentation. And I felt that that happened in efetting as well. So you'd have people like me or, or um, the buddy you got me in that had these wide story arcs with like, you know, romance or action or intrigue or whatever. And then the promos in there as well. Um, and then you'd have people who just cut promos, who just like did the promo and that was it. Mm-hmm. Uh, very much like a very classic thing. And that was part of what was so gripping about it because you'd be really committed to your style, but it didn't always win every week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think that's um, I think that's true. And uh, those kinds of um, divisions in it, um, they were interesting to see. But I think a lot of times, especially as I got more into it, um, like – HIW, like I was saying, was a really hybrid style. And then, you know, you'd have your role plays, not just the match role plays, but in your regular ones, you'd have story bits and then you would have your promo bit. And pretty much everybody did that style. Um, I never was in a, a, a place that um, had a lot of variation in how each person did their style. You know, you would get to a place, for me at least, I would get to a place that was majorly promo style where everybody did the, you know, sort of talking to the camera style. And uh, you would also get people, places that were majorly um, uh, story style where people would be going on all of these crazy adventures and stuff. And uh, everybody is really rich for some reason. Um, of course, yeah. So, yeah, so everybody had like mansions and stuff and uh, had like, big extended families. Some people were in corporate. There was, there were tons of, there was one guy that I remember, um, his character was Kale Stanton. This is back in, this is back in HIW as well, but his character was like a Bruce Wayne type, uh, very Gothic. (laughs) He had like his own corporation, but for some reason he was still going out every week and wrestling. And he really cared about the HIW world heavyweight title. And that's, yeah, yeah, you would, you would get a lot of those kinds of, uh, you'd get a lot of those kinds of uh, stuff going on there. Um, And I think there was like a lot of, there was like a lot of pressure, especially when you get into the story, uh, story type role plays, a lot of pressure for people to top each other with, you know, more, you know, more sort of pathos, more crazy stuff going on, more like, uh, extreme, exaggerated melodrama. Um, so yeah, it became like this weird arms race. Yeah. And there's like, there's a, so you're always playing to, uh, by the way, it was uh BLPW. That was the, that was the fed that I was most involved in. What, um, what did, what did the letter stand for? Oh boy. Um, I'll have to look that up again and tell you. Um, but, uh, I would almost put money that it was black label pro wrestling. Oh, no, that sounds <laughs> right. Yeah, you know what? That sounds not right. That I, I, I'm not saying that I knew this place. It just sounds like what a place, what, you know. What, no, I mean, that, that sounds right. Black Label, yeah. No, that sounds exactly right. Um, yeah, I'll, I'm going to have to figure that out and tell you. Um, but in any case, yeah, it, it was it was always like, um, uh, it, it was always like this, I don't know. There were a couple things going on. Like, so the one thing I think we haven't emphasized a lot about efetting, because like for the people who didn't play, it just sounds probably sounds crazy. Um, but the one thing that I, I think we haven't emphasized enough is that uh, the way you win in this league is you um, y- you get voted on by like yes. people reading the stuff. Like, it's not about like, well, would this 
and again, this is a lot like pro wrestling. It's not about like, well, would this person logically win in this fight? Like, is my character stronger than the other character? It literally is like, well, who wrote more quantity mattered. Mm-hmm. And then who, who wrote better? Like who had better stuff? Right. Um, and so sometimes like, you know, I, I was a good writer. So like I wasn't a jobber for long. Um, so like, you know, I moved up the ranks pretty quickly, but then once you're, once you're kind of messing around with that, I don't know, like they might give it to, they might give it to someone else. They might give it to you. It might be, depends on who's voting and you're just reading it. It gives this deep tension because it is very personal. You're like, mm-hmm. I, I deserved this this week or I didn't deserve whatever. Like you're reading through these matches and they are, they're simmed. I mean, they're simmed and you'll talk a little bit more about this. I saw in your outline. Yeah like the things that sim these things, but they're simmed matches and you'll just read through them. And especially when it gets to like the story part or the drama part, it's like, what's going to happen? Like, am I going to win? Am I going to lose? And I remember like, it was like, it was like heart pounding. Um, And it's just a, a long form role play that literally, if I link to any of these, you would like, you would, I mean, even the ones that are well done, it would be mind numbing. Yeah. um, That's, that's, I think one of the things, um, I guess the quality and that kind of stuff, you know, that it's not that fun to read if you're not involved in it. Um, that's one of the things that ultimately made me less interested in it, especially less interested in the story parts. Um, because not not the, the match story parts, but uh, a lot of people's personal stories, like as far as their role plays and stuff, would just be... Again, like I said, you're doing all this like sort of um, topping of each other. And because you have the sort of cliquish judging and uh, usually like in a lot of places that it would just be the person who owned the Fed and who was running it, who would judge, who would judge anything. So mm-hmm. so the people yeah, who are right, at the exactly. top, you're basically writing to please this one person. And it it causes everybody to write in this very... Um, this very like narrow focused way where everybody's trying to hit the same beats because they, they've sort of figured out how to get over with this, uh, the person who's judging. So, yeah. So, yeah, no, I, uh, sorry. I, this mic's too good. People can hear me. Like, I, I don't, I don't mean that brag. People can always hear me breathe in and they always stop. I'm like, but I always breathe in cause I think I'm saying something and then right. I'm, I'm always, but I'm always like on the other hand, listening to what other people say, but no, I was going to say like, it's, it's, it's again, like the, um, it's again, like pro wrestling. I mean, it's exactly like what you'd say about what I see people say anyway, about the WWE when they're like, yeah, like Vince just likes this one particular thing or like, oh, that's a Vince guy. Like, of course he's going to promote him from, from whatever, like, you know, we'll see he's going to be at a next soon. And, uh, this other guy isn't cause he's just not a Vince wrestler. And like, it's it sort of that becomes replicated in e-fetting too, in a way that I don't think anyone wants it to be, but you're just like, Oh yeah. Like the person judging this, like I'm friends with them or I know they like heavy storylines or I know they don't like heavy storylines. It's like, yeah, you know, just, uh, just play for it. Like play right. to that. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, there's, I mean, people have tried, they, you know, tried definitely to do it different ways. Um, especially, uh, when you have these sort of super feds, which is when you, you know, big communities where you have more than one e-fed together and sometimes they'll come together to do group competitions and stuff. That's when you'll get more, you know, they try and do voting schemes and all this kind of stuff. 
but you still have that problem where it's a a very insular community uh over over a long time you know people who participate the most and get their voices out there are gonna you know probably be the ones judging or being you know quote unquote tastemakers and that kind of stuff so it is difficult to get around i mean especially once you hit that sort of floor of competency once you get past that point then it's all about who likes you and who doesn't like you and um yes so so on one level it's a really sort of you know nail biting and uh, almost kind of um you, you it's easy to get frustrated with it because you know these things in the back of your head even when you're trying to uh write and turn out stuff that that you think should be winning or whatever um but on the other hand there's just a sort of even though you know all that stuff, it's still weirdly thrilling when you, you know, come up on a win and then, you know, you're like on a winning streak. So for whatever reason, you're doing stuff right for this period. And uh, especially if it's a kind of thing where you're not controlling the storyline yourself and you, you start winning, it, you feel like you're accomplishing something. Um, and I think that's a really big part of what, makes efetting uh or that made it because i don't really know the status of efetting right now but what made it really uh compelling is that you have this element of you trying to um yeah just trying to sort of compete and get those accolades which are you know some you know a tiny pixel belt next to your uh, <laughs> right south park uh your south park parody avatar so. Yeah, it's not like it's not. I mean, that's the other thing. It's so, it's so deeply low stakes. Mm-hmm. Like I'm actually, I'm actually like as we're talking, I was scrolling through old card uh, results, and I just read the last one. I think I was in, which was the second to last show. I think this Fed had, and I lost. Like I lost my tag team belt, and mm-hmm. like it was 2007. Like this is ages ago, and I, I read that, and I was thinking, like I was like, hey. Man, I remember that. I remember thinking, like, did I lose that match for us? Did, did the <laughs> other guy not write enough? What's going on here? And then it's like, it's like, why do I remember? Like, why did I save space in my mind for that? Yeah. And it's just because, like, you get it is this hyper competitive situation, even though, like, you're basically playing for nothing. I mean, no one cares. It's not like you're going to put that. Not only are you not going to put that in a resume, you're not going to tell people on other online forums about it. Like it's a uniquely sort of like embarrassing thing to explain to other people. But for the Fed itself, when you're in it, everyone's super on board and everyone wants to be extremely successful. Well, it really it, it mirrors wrestling in that way, in that I think that was the major reason that it became, you know, that it is like that, is that wrestling has that reputation as well. Um, in that you really don't want to, you know, it's sort of the thing where, uh, if you're on a first date with somebody, you probably don't want to bring that up because that, you know, that could sink it, whether or not you think it should be that way or not, you know, that's just how, how society is. And I think e-fetting with that, uh, added element of, um, of, uh, the online role-playing thing, which is already dorky in itself, you know, it just, it just occupies this really weird pariah space uh absolutely but um you know i i i think 
it's um i think online role playing is um important to talk about in a gaming context because i think there's uh an itch that a lot of other game types don't scratch uh when you're talking about writing and um being able to express yourself in that way i mean i know there's a lot of people like this uh, when you get the new WWE game or you get the new fire pro game. The first thing you're trying to do is create your character. You know, you don't really give a fuck about playing through the, uh, sorry, I don't know. If, uh, no, you can care. Don't worry about it. You're fine. You're fine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I don't really care about, um, I don't really care about uh, playing through the regular career mode as triple H in the new, the new uh, WWE game. I really care more about, and I'll spend more time on creating my own person. And then if I can play with that person through a career mode, that's cool. But uh, I think that's, I think that's a big part of the appeal of these things. Um, And like I said before, I think wrestling occupies this weird space in that um, it's like real and not real. And it's this created mythology, but it also exists. You know what I'm saying? Like, Consider like consider you know when uh, we all know that wrestling is worked, wrestling is fake, wrestling is rigged, etc. Right? People right. don't sort of dispute that. But if Dwayne the Rock Johnson goes on like Jimmy Fallon, they will introduce him as a former WWE champion. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, Where, right. Like, these right. things like have we we understand, like, but like if Sylvester Stallone goes on. Uh, Jimmy Fallon, they don't introduce him as a former heavyweight champion of the world. Right. Yeah. No one actually thinks Rocky is real. Right. But, right. And it's the same thing with wrestling, but it's like it. So these things like happened, even though we treat it in a way like, you know, we, we know they're uh, fake and it's scripted and all that stuff, but we still treat it as though it really happened, you know, that this was a real title change and all those kinds of things. Um, right. Well, I mean, even, even in terms of like the, the Montreal screw job or whatever, right? Like yeah, there, yeah. there, well, I there mean, are I, these like historical moments where it's this mashup between, yeah, look like it happened in the ring and we understand that that is not real, but it is real because it's something that was decided up, you know, higher up. And these people are really, you know, doing physical feats and stuff like there i forget who i think it was might have been ian again who said like quoted someone saying like it's not that wrestling is fake wrestling is real it's just like fake is the wrong word it gives a sense of like unreality it's actually just like it's real in a different way yes yeah and i think that thing i think that element of it really um attracts people who want to um you know inhabit a sort of quasi real space and explore you know being these larger than life characters um but it's somehow not as far as just going through and saying well i'm gonna play you know a wizard now right it's right it it occupies this middle space and i think that's why it, it would attract a lot of people from different uh backgrounds you would get some people who were really just into the writing part and uh, and into the fantastic part. And um, actually, when I was um, really sort of in a midpoint in my uh, e-wrestling quote-unquote career, if this wasn't already nerdy enough, uh, <laughs> um, there was this one 
forum that uh, I or this one fed that I joined that was like not it was not based on wrestling, but it, it was like combat. But you were playing like cartoon characters, like original cartoon characters who would be fighting and stuff. And so it was like you were it was totally divorced from all of the wrestling, wrestling move, technical parts of wrestling while still being like a combat oriented writing competition. Right. Well, that's and really think, strange. That's yeah. really strange. But there's I, I think there were a lot of people who not maybe not necessarily who are going to be into that, but who are in, who are more into the writing and being expansive parts. Then there were a lot of people who were into more of the sporting aspects and you'd find them, you know, in the same kind of story uh, feds and stuff. So it just, it just, it just attracted a whole bunch of different people. And I think that was one of the really cool things about um, e-fedding was that it could do that. I mean, what's, what's really interesting about, about all of this too, is that uh, to sort of like branch out a bit, because I, I think you're, you you hit on a really interesting point with that very strange Fed. I mean, there's something mm-hmm. there's something very material about efedding where you're saying where you can say like, yeah, look, it has this it has this real um, it has this referent in the real world. Effectively, um, you can mm-hmm. say like it's a lot like pro wrestling, um, and we we've, we've kind of worked out ways that it is, but like it's also and like even in terms of appeal or in terms of structure or whatever but the efetting also lives in the same moment as a lot of the like the online role playing that people did like um role playing places where you you'd make a character and you'd just role play as that character like you know mm-hmm. i was i would i didn't have a lot of friends in 7th and 8th grade i definitely did that um and it's just like it's so interesting because this is also a period of time where it's not like you're just messing around with Final Fantasy One anymore, and like you want to just have a more fleshed out vision of your character in the world. I mean, this is like this is when open world gaming starting to happen. This is when like wrestling games are really starting to to kick into like really serious character creation uh, gear, and it still has this appeal. This like extremely primitive sort of like yeah, just write words on a screen and someone will respond with more words. And people got as into it as they would with like GTA, uh, GTA three or whatever. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and I, I feel like that's one of the elements that um, if you're talking about like, a, you know, an MMO type game or, you know, like a Rocket League or something like that, where you're playing a lot online, it's a different sort of um a different sort of conversation, I guess you could say that you're having with somebody else when you're actually writing and sort of developing yourself as opposed to when you're sort of just trash talking or communicating like instructions and plans and stuff in, in like a raid game or something like that. Um, yeah, and I think that absolutely. kind of like that, like that interplay between people is a lot of what um, drew people to e-wrestling because not only, I mean, first of all, you have that, one-upsmanship thing where somebody writes a story and then you're like, well, I got to do something that's, you know, better than even better. But also like you have those promo, uh, those promo ones. And sometimes you'd be in a a fed where it would be like, you can get, you can do two promos, but you got to alternate. That was a common rule. Um, Hmm. So then you, so then you would say something and they would say something back, you know, sort of touching on what you had said, and then you would get a chance to respond to what they said. And then they get a chance to respond to you. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, that is a good rule. So that so that that is like, you know, that's a really 
a much more direct interplay where you can bounce ideas off each other almost. Um, mm-hmm. Even though you're in that competition, you can sort of say, oh, okay, you said that. Well, let me come back at you with this. Uh, and I think that was, I mean, I'll be the first to say that I'm not really an insult guy. I kind of like, if somebody is asking me to do like an impressive insult, I will, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not good at that. So those kinds of, see you know those kinds of uh feds and stuff were never my forte but uh i did i I guess i would say out of the two you know styles we're talking about story versus promo style i prefer to do promo style just because uh i'm a wrestling snob so (laughs) a bit more with what i was doing i didn't like to get too far away from my character's a wrestler he doesn't make huge amount of money. Like I never played characters yeah. who were like super rich or anything like that just because, well, okay. Other than my, uh, crazy, um, super villain character. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but other than that, that, but you know, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you're just trying to have fun, you know? So yeah, sure. other than that, no. um, it's, it's so interesting to hear you talk about that though. Cause it's like, there is this, there, there's a way that you're, you're balancing fun and seriousness in a, in a, a sport, if if you want to call it that, like that is not serious at all. Like the whole point is luck is, is leisure time. Like there's nothing, it's not, there's nothing in here. Like, like in, in, in actual pro wrestling, right? Like there's serious sacrifice. There's sort of training, there's risk, there's poverty, there's failure, whatever. Like the, it's a real, it's a real world kind of thing. Mm-hmm. e is just all, I mean, it's, it's fluff, right? Like it's not, I'm not, I'm not even trying to diminish it. I'm just saying like, it's all supposed to be fun and leisure, but like there are these arbitrary rules we put on ourselves in the spirit of making it serious. Yeah. And I think in the, I think also in the spirit of keeping it coherent, yeah, and making sure that everything, um, you know, fits the story and that you're telling, I think this was one of the things that became more, um, more important to me, especially as things went on, is that I wanted to make sure that every that the characters sort of acted in a way that made it plausible that they were going to be in a wrestling match. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and that kind of verisimilitude and keeping things uh, keeping things in a way that you know doesn't get too out of hand and doesn't, uh, uh, I don't know what I'm trying It doesn't get too, too ridiculous. I think it makes mm-hmm. those stories better more than anything. You know, uh, when you're just trying to do all of this one upsmanship and all of that, I always feel like that makes things it's, it's one of those things that makes people's writing a lot more homogenized because again, you're, yeah. you're sort of driving towards that one single ideal of what it's supposed to be. Um, and, yeah, it just it, it just makes everything a lot more in, uh, a lot less interesting rather when when you get into that kind of uh, trap. I would agree. I would agree, and I, I I think that's an interesting place to to kind of shift to the question of simulation too, because there's, I mean, we're, we've sort of been dancing around it in part because we both did this weird thing, and it sort of is like that uh, that scene in Lemon of Troy, that Simpsons episode where uh, Millhouse meets Millhouse. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, but uh, uh, you know, it's like it's it is a uniquely nerdy thing that apparently thousands of people did, um, which still blows my mind, but you know, whatever we all spend our time in 
weird ways and, and it helped me learn how to write better, I suppose. I mean, it, it helped me practice. And that's what I tell my students. It's just yeah. about putting words on a page. Yeah, um, for sure. But the, I guess what's interesting to me and what we've been alighting here is that there is this whole architecture of simulation behind it. These simulating, like, basically, like, games where you, you put it in, whether they're, I mean, I mean, you could talk about it, but, like, whether they're, like, um, I, I know that, not Ring of Honor, what am I, what am I thinking of? I'm, I'm totally blanking on the, the, the Japanese game that's, like, extremely um, popular for being uh, customizable. Oh, Fire uh, Pro Wrestling? Fire Pro, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, some are, I know some are simmed in Fire Pro, uh, some are simmed through other sims. Like, what do you, I mean, can you tell us a little bit about that? Because that's such a, it's such an interesting counterpoint to the, the, you know, we can go anywhere with this stuff, but we have to keep a tethered writing element. You have this, like, basically a computer simulation on the other hand. Yeah, um, and I think this is one of the things that's really uh, part of it is sort of time uh, when these things came out and sort of the timeline of uh, e-fetting in general. Um, wrestling simulators, they were really a big part of e-fetting towards the early, the earlier uh, years of it. Uh, so you would have things like a Zeus Pro is probably a program that a lot of people have heard about. Uh, that's what they used at the LPW. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. and that's one of the sort of earliest uh, plug-and-play ones. And I think that was what a lot of the early feds used, just because it was easy to say, okay, uh, I've got this wrestler, you know, he's he's got these like sort of basic stats or whatever, he has these moves and then you could sort of set, you know, who's going to win and all like those kinds of stuff. And it would just print out a match for you. Uh-huh. Um, then, uh, I mean, you also had a, I think the company was called Geeksoft, and I'm, I'm almost a hundred percent sure that the, uh, the feds that they had were called G feds. And it was basically this online thing, which it would do a little bit of that simming for you. But it would also like mainly help you keep all of your people together, you know, oh, just sort of a okay. sort of a service so you could like notify everybody. It would host your uh, RP boards and all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, then actually, one of the 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 feds that I had joined that was, um, I think, sort of one of my more formative ones. If I want to put you know that kind of uh, that kind of weight on something like efedding. Um, it was called uh, GFW, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Uh, and they used, but they used a simulator that was called TNM7. And it was really sort of bare bones thing. And it was really more of like a story, um, you know, playing through the year type of uh, game. But it would have fairly detailed line by line outputs for the simmed matches and you could also create your own wrestlers. So uh, the, you know, that the, the fed head of this place decided to use that as his simming uh, tool of choice. And uh, yeah, but like I said, you know, that's the simulators themselves being used in the, um, the feds was really more of an early e-fedding thing as you go, went on, there was more, it became more prestigious sort of to have people actually write the matches. And mm-hmm. I think yeah. by the time, by the time that I was, that had gotten out of it, pretty much everybody uh, had match writers rather than using simulators. Um, partly because the simulators by that time were so old that you couldn't really do much. You know, you couldn't get one if you really wanted one even. 
Yeah, I remember we used we we would do uh, sort of that where it would be a simulator and then you would always have a moment where you'd like you'd insert commentary or you'd like yeah. you'd you'd have like a, a storyline thing happen. And that I mean, that was like it, it just made it much more fun to read. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Like it's it's also interesting to think about, like, again, it goes back to this fake question in wrestling, right, where the the it is fake. And then of course, like the, the results are pre-planned or whatever, but even in a, even in a community where we all accept that we basically like, you basically say like, okay, the we'll break kayfabe here to have a forum of people that are saying we are quote unquote wrestling. And then the, 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 the promos are us either breaking kayfabe all the time or doing promos or having stories or having adventures or whatever. It's all this, like it's very high level sort of like meta thinking about this, this uh, media. And then it's also at the same point you, you say like, well, there's something not very real about the computer telling us exactly who won and how, <laughs> like yeah. at that point you should be like, that is the least of our problems. But that's the thing we all, we all sort of like hinge on. And it's like, yeah, you know, it totally makes sense. It's not, I'll put it this way, like in e-fetting, just like in pro wrestling, it seems like there are certain things that have to be, have to remain a kind of like level of real that, you know, other things don't like we can, we can accept certain things are fake, but once you accept other things are, you know, not substantive or not real in a, in a substantial way, then the whole thing falls apart. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, it's got a lot to do with like just keeping things, um, not necessarily real, but plausible within the same set of uh, assumptions, right? So, like, if you're watching Lord of the Rings and then suddenly a spaceship drops down, that breaks the whole thing. You know, you might you might hang on for a second and say, okay, where did this come from? Is this part of it? But if, you know, out of that, you know, the fucking predator steps out, and then you're just like, okay, you know, this is I, I, this is totally break, broken down. I think that's the 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 that's what the realism in pro wrestling sort of serves, um, and that's how you can have you know this on, on one hand, somebody's role plays are about you know this sort of corporate Batman vampire type guy, and then on the other hand, this guy, this other person's role plays are about you know his sort of extended family uh all you know coming at the hardship and uh he has to sacrifice everything to help them out and stuff like that and uh, and then you have on this other hand you know this guy who's he's like time traveling and you know fighting uh norse giants and stuff and then you have they all have to sort of come together in this place where you can plug all of their characters into Zeus Pro and give them, you know, strength nine and agility six. And mm-hmm. they all, some, you know, even though he's a Norse, like, you know, a uh, uh, Viking god, he still does a ch- real chin lock. Yeah, and, right. Right. Yeah, of course. So, 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 so the, it's a sort of unifying element when you finally get to the show where it says, okay, no matter what you did, that still has to sort of be filtered through this, uh, this, uh, I don't know, this level or whatever that is the Fed head, that is the, the simulating program and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of like it's the, it's the kind of moment where, like, you know, you, you, 
you think a lot about or I think a lot about, um, but I think a lot of people do a lot about this kind of like mashup, this cultural mashup we have going on where like, oh, all the Marvel movies are going to make one big Marvel movie. And, you know, like uh, there's Ready Player One where like the whole pitch is all your favorites are here. Yeah, it's like that. Uh, it's that Game Master Anthony uh, post from them from the video game forum where he's like yeah. everyone comes in for a big party. <laughs> it's um, like um, and uh, we had Wreck-It Ralph recently. No, oh, yeah, sure. Exactly. Too. At least that was heartwarming. But like, yeah, yeah but you're sure. totally right. Yeah. Like it's, it's all this sort of mashup culture. And I think what like what like actually is kind of fascinating about the EFED is it says like, yeah, OK, have the mashup culture. Do the thing where like all, you know, we have uh, Attitude Era WWE mixed with the the fanciful stuff from WCW mixed with whatever you want. Like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. you can we can have the guy who spits red mist. Um, and we believe it's poison or whatever, right? Like yeah. it, there's like, there's all sorts of like different uh, styles going in there. Cause there's all sorts of different wrestling that people like, but like on the other hand, people are like, yeah, look um, at the show uh, that all goes away and we just have a show to do. Um, and, and everyone agrees to that. And it's just like, it's a tacit agreement. It's like a contract that the whole thing works on. Whereas I think in, in a lot of mashup culture, you know, I've been, I've been saying that e-fetting is embarrassing, but let me give it some credit here. (laughs) A lot of mashup culture does not have that contract. Like, it's just like, it doesn't matter how ridiculous it gets. It's just fun because it's fun. And there's something very unsatisfying about that. Yeah. um, Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that keeps wrestling in a weird way interesting and it keeps people um, I think that's one of the things where people, you know, might have a problem suspending their disbelief, but people who are already into it, that's why you can believe guys like Jushin Liger and, you know, the great Muda and Tiger Mask and stuff. Cause like they might be wearing masks and they might be, like you said, spitting mist and stuff. And, uh, Jushin Liger even like transformed into a different form of, Ju- uh, of Jushin Liger in the match. You can accept all that stuff sort of because at the end of the day, they still have to go into the ring and do moves to beat people. And yeah, that's, exactly. you know, and e-fetting is a sort of like far expanded version of that where you can go almost anywhere and do whatever you want. But at the end of the day, you still have to come back and do this, um, this element of the game that sort of actually sets everybody's priorities and it changes everybody's storylines and stuff. Because I mean, if you're, if you know, you're, if you're that Norse God or whatever, and you win the title, well, you know, next time in your next role play, you're the Norse God with the title. And you're, you're really happy about that for some reason, even though it's not like slowing Ragnarok or whatever, you're still right, exactly. like, I'm the champion now. So, uh, that's, you know, that's pretty cool. So <laughs> it, 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 it just, it's a weird, sort of uh super layer onto all of these stories that people are trying to tell about themselves um that's interesting yeah um i i personally think that you know when people are trying to do all that stuff um but at the same time again you know it's cool to see a lot of people writing and stuff but at the same time just because of the nature of it it's really tough to 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 believe that this is where you know this is the sort of fullest extent of people's writing in it um and i did run across a couple people who were you know trying to be writers or whatever but they would try and do you know they would say like oh i should try and publish my efed role plays and no listen if there's people yeah if there's people still in efeding 
it, it doesn't matter how many people liked it. It doesn't matter how many people fucking told you it was the best thing they ever read. Do not publish your role plays. Yeah, no. that that kind of that goes without saying, but you, it's it also should be said. Yes, I mean, yeah. I think I think that 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 thing you said though about people just kind of like revealing parts of themselves through it or like doing something to kind of like present a thing about themselves, right? Like the to to kind of I don't know, like how to say it, like they're writing in order they're doing all these fanciful things in order to express something right and sort of like Mm -hmm. bring something out about themselves and every character just becomes like i mean it would be it would be almost impossible not to and and because you're doing so much writing and you're doing you know and you're not doing it professionally i mean you're not most of these people are not novelists most of these people are not like you know incredible writers or anything um it would be so hard to do role play without bringing yourself into it and so like i mean there's like if e-fetting and role-playing has fallen to the wayside, it's kind of understandable because now there is the MMO, which is kind of like mm-hmm. the, the more um, socially acceptable and the more um, populated version of this, where you can just like, you can have your character and it bleeds into your real life and you can express something about yourself. Um, but it's not purely creative. And I don't know, like it, it feels like there's something kind of lost in, in, in translation there between those two forms. Oh yeah. Um, I think one of the things that makes MMOs more socially acceptable is that you don't have to engage in this thing where you are sort of putting yourself out there and, you know, obliquely sort of sharing your thoughts about the, about the world and stuff. Um, and I think it's, it is definitely um, a way to, uh, you know, express yourself. Um, I guess just really quickly, I'll sort mm-hmm. of go through because I think this is one of the things where, as I grew up, the sort of characters I played um, changed, and uh, I'll so I'll just give you sort of a quick run through, and maybe that'll give you an idea of sort of how you how people, especially you know myself in this case, you know, put yourselves into uh, characters. Um, so. When I started out, I was doing a whole. I did a you know a few different ones. Um, okay. Way back in the day, you know, you would start out doing basically feds where you were. It would be like you know if this is a fake WWF and you had to choose somebody who was in WWF and you do role plays as that person. And I think I basically was stone cold as often as I could manage it. Um, sure, of course. <laughs> yeah, why not? Why wouldn't you do that? Um, right. When I started doing my own thing, um, I would do a lot of white goth characters. This is hmm. a, this is a theme that recurred in my um, in my writing for some reason. Um, That's interesting. So, and then and then after that, um, and I had you know some success doing that kind of thing. Um, and then after that, my main character for a long time was another white dude, a Canadian dude named Easton Hall. And he was, I, I, I would say, he, out of my characters, he was the one who was most just me on a page, even though he was a white dude. And I think that's a, a lot of, t- has a lot to do with when I was younger and being a black guy and sort of non-traditional i guess and that i don't like i'm not heavily into rap music or whatever i'm not like i i just i don't fit that sort of cnn stereotype of a black dude mm-hmm. so 
working through that, I think, was a major reason that I initially was playing white guys like that and the white Easton Hall became sort of just an avatar for me, even though he didn't look like me. Interesting. Uh, but then after that, um, I played a guy called Anton Assault, who was uh, a Nigerian expat, you know, mixed mar- ex-mixed martial artist. Uh, he was seconded by like, uh, I can't remember if he was like, he was South American in some way. Uh, this dude who did a whole bunch of coke. I've, I've never done coke. I don't know why. <laughs> he just kind of like guessed what would yeah. happen. So he just did. Yeah. And so what I guess was, would happen was that he did the sort of like a, uh, like a hardcore two steps. And that's what he would just do that. <laughs> he would, he was, uh, he would did a bunch of coke and he would do hardcore two steps and he almost got them killed a bunch of times. And this was sort of my, uh, this was when I was in a place that was doing more of those story play, the story role plays where like, I don't know if you ran into this whole lot. I just, I feel like I have to say this because I think this is one of the things um, about um, just in the wider culture about like how we construct stories and what makes uh, a story poignant. There was a whole lot of like, uh, pregnancies that were, I, I don't want to say unwanted, but like somebody nearby didn't want them. Like it was like, you know, a cheating pregnancy or something like that. A lot of people were getting raped. There was lots of like domestic violence and stuff. And yeah. it was like, uh, yeah. So I, I don't know. Did you have any experience with that kind of, those kinds of things? With you? Sure. I mean, like there's like, it was always all part of that. Like, uh, I mean, before before things got dark in the sense of like remakes and gritty remakes and gritty mm-hmm. reimaginings of stuff, there was the it, things getting dark in terms of like vertigo and comics and like the Max imprint. I feel like comics were the first place to go there where people were like, oh, man, we can like we can do evil things now or like yeah. we can say we can say curse words or we can like we can like someone can shoot someone with a gun. And like yeah. it, it was this moment where everyone wanted to take that one step further. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that so that, I, that was definitely part of that, you know, one of the things that played into it. Um, but um, yeah, so then I think that was my first black character that I really sort of stuck with and did anything with. And I, and throughout my uh, time in EFETing, I would continually play Easton Hall because he became my sort of signature character. It was very easy to write as him. You know, because it was sort of like, what if I was a wrestler and also white, three inches shorter than I am and a Canadian? Right. Um, but um, after that point, I would pretty much sort of, you know, uh, I played a lot of black characters after that. Um, but they were all sort of uh, sort of divorced from who I was. I think the closest one to who I was. Um, and I think this sort of sort of shows attention I just in myself was um, DC Stark, who was like a he was like a chemist. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, he, like one of his taglines was uh, Ebony Magazine's Man of the Year for like 2013 or something like that. And, uh, <laughs> OK, it was just like this completely ridiculous, like, I mean, I can't like I don't want to say I'm going to say this but like 
right now is really problematic, but I mean this in like the least problematic way that I can. And I, I can't really, I can't really just, you know, dispel that, but he was, it was sort of like a Bill Cosby type of like, I'm black, but I'm better than other black people. Oh yeah. No, I mean like, yeah, of course, obviously black Bill Cosby being the, the, yeah, of course that I, everyone understands the problematic element of that, but it's true. I mean, that was like, that was what he was recently before he was problematic. I mean, obviously he's a comedian first and then sitcom actor. And then he sort of became this grand old man of black discourse where he would go ahead and say like, these kids got to pull up their pants and stuff. Yeah. yeah and yeah, yeah and that was basically uh dc stark's character okay um, interesting that was that was that was that was kind of fun to do um and then i also did uh somebody and this is one of the things where i do this a lot where i create a name not thinking too hard about it but the guy's name was uh dr congo with a k but <laughs> like that's also the abbreviation for democratic republic of congo oh but that's smart that's not, but I wasn't trying to do that. I, I like it though. Like later on, it, it, it dawned on me. But he was, you know, sort of really based on a Apollo Creed. Um, and there was actually another wrestler, ever, like around that time, Consequences Creed, who was doing that. Um, but yeah, anyway, it's, I, I'm just trying to say, sort of like as I grew up, the characters I played, um just sort of followed what I was going through. When I was younger, I was, you know, like a loner and uh, really trying to figure myself out a little bit. And then as I got older, I was able to play more exuberant characters and stuff like that. And I think the kind of character that somebody plays generally has a lot to do with who they are, who they want to be. And so that, I mean, again, a lot of times you would see a whole bunch of characters who were like just this regular sort of pretty boy, straight white dude who did, you know, who in his off time, you know, had a beautiful wife and, or, you know, beautiful girlfriend and, uh, got everything he wanted. Right. So, yeah. Uh, and there's, I think there's definitely those elements of fantasy and people just, uh, indulging themselves. And I think that's one of the aspects that I liked about e-wrestling the most was when you could get a place that would get away from those kinds of just self-indulgent fantasies and get more into that, the competitive atmosphere and the, um, you know what I'm saying? Like the, that, that the show and the results and that kind of thing, those, those aspects of it always uh, resonated more with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And I think that's like, I don't know. I think that's kind of like a beautiful place to, to start wrapping up. Cause like the, there's like this, um, there's this quality where like, I didn't, you know, I was waiting. I would, I always would rather have uh, my guests bring their identity into, into the topic than me uh, shoehorn it in. So I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna like try and uh, connect race to, to e-fetting, but I think you're totally right. Like, I think there's like, I was thinking about this cause the main character, you know, maybe the only character I ever e-fetted was, um, supposed to be Japanese. Like he was supposed to be a Japanese character because the first fed I was in was a Japanese fed, like Mm -hmm. not with other Japanese people, but people like basically doing a a new Japan or whatever kind of thing. Right. Like, um, Oh, okay. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) It was, that that was also a fun one. We didn't get to talk too much about that, but uh, I did a little bit of that. And that was like, it's weird because it was based on 
you sort of couldn't do it these days because we have no. a lot more access to well not because of like any racial aspect or anything it's more because we have a lot more access to what's going on in japan whereas that's true too yeah the, the, the style i don't know maybe it was different for you but in the style of the most of the ebro things that i did it was more it was based on getting you know newsletter reports and mm. so that was a lot of the style of it um, mm. So right now, because you don't really get it like that anymore, you can just go online and find all the news that you want. It sort of doesn't really different. translate. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, no, this one, this one wasn't as well thought out. This was a pretty <laughs> bad fed. Okay. Um, but I, I did that and like I, I basically made up this character and then ported him over when, when my buddy was like, well, you want to do e-fedding on my fed? Like, you know, you might have fun with it. A lot mm. better writers over there. And I did have fun with it. But it was I, I played an Asian guy through the whole thing. And I'm I'm just a white dude like I, you know, I don't I don't have any experience with that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like it's odd the way that I mean, for me, like I just I just, you know, basically over time took any racial characteristics I included in the character and tamped them down and just made them very homogenous and just worked through like emotional issues effectively. Mm-hmm. But like it's it's super interesting that like you're path through it kind of took an opposite trajectory where it's like the idea is well you know denying the racial character like denying any sort of like racial element or like element in which you're you're speaking to your own um engagement with identity and then that coming through more and more as you like became a better writer as you became more comfortable with yourself as you it's just like it's super it's super interesting and it's in such a such a an otherwise like i don't know uninteresting or uninterested um dismissed uh form yeah yeah and i think that's one of the things that um sort of role-playing online can do it allows you to inhabit all of these different spaces and sort of talk to yourself in different ways that you are not uh encouraged to do um and you know just the act of writing this piece where you're sort of trying to inhabit or promote this character because i think that's another important thing is that it's not like a lot it's not like self-driven writing where like if i just write a story uh, I can write a story about the sort of downfall of this character and where they're, you know, everything is going bad for them and they're really bad as a personal, all those types of things. But with e-wrestling, you really can't construct it like that if you're trying to win, right? You have to right. sort of construct an appealing character. Um, so it's a weird way in which you're dealing with these issues and that you have if you're trying to do that with uh with uh, your writing in that you're tr- you're trying to cre- you're trying to mold all these things in a uh positive light so yeah like maybe when i was younger if i was going to write about myself and how i felt as a black guy who wasn't you know being accepted or whatever i would have written totally differently but being able to write as somebody who fit more of the general uh, idea of what a pro wrestler was going to be. And I mean, you know, being a top pro wrestler, even now, the idea is this is a white dude. So being able to sort of do that allowed me to uh, uh, write a little bit more confidently as I was 
being able to construct my identity. And I mean, again, mm. you know, like you said, you 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 played a Japanese dude, and there was a lot of people playing, you know, white people playing black characters and all that kind of thing. And sure. you know, it, it you're just exploring different, uh, you're exploring different ways to be and all that kind of, those kinds of things. So I think that's one of the things that's really uh, important and sort of underrated about uh, e wrestling and online role playing in general. Yeah, I think I think you're right. And I think it's like in some ways it's what we imagine should happen in gaming and like video gaming, um, but kind of doesn't like it, it mm. can't possibly happen in the same way because it's not I don't know, it's not as risky. It's not as like, you know, intimately or sort of like directly expressive of one's kind of like understanding of the world. You can't get away yeah. from it. And in, in, in E-Fetting, you're, you're writing a character and the character has to talk about their experience. So, and it's not going to be like, you know, oh, here's what I heard about my experience. It's always yeah. like, here's how I experience the world. And you gotta, gotta put it out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's true. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, I think, you know, just because you're, again, you're having to express yourself through that medium and make that media, you know, make make that character appealing in a way that where, you know, if you're just playing a, a um, and, and blah, an MMO, um, you don't really have to make that character appealing. All you have to do is be good at the game, you know, whereas to be good at e-fetting, you have to be good at presenting your character well. So, Right. Uh, yeah, I think there's a lot. There's a lot different, and it, it makes people explore that space in a different way. Um, so yeah, I mean, if it's still going on uh, and you're not too self conscious, um, and the people, you know, you find a place that writes decently, I would yeah, don't don't, don't compromise. That's just yeah. gonna be terrible. There's a lot of there's a lot of places that write terribly, and I mean, again, I wouldn't say release anybody's uh efed role plays as uh you know good writing or whatever no but um there's a level of writing where you can say okay i can i can sort of this is good enough for me sort of just reading online and stuff and to yeah if you can enjoy it yeah exactly it's a uh, it reminds me a lot and i guess this is this would be a, a big topic to open up so i'll just i'll just leave it as an aphorism and then i'll give you give you last word um uh, an advisor, a friend, a colleague of mine, uh, Anna Cornblue, always used to say that uh, to us that there's like um, the data is is sort of like fascistic in, in its own way that, you know, if you when you get away from the humanities, you just quantify everything. And that's ultimately totalizing um, in a bad way. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm very much paraphrasing her. So you should just go read her books if if, yeah, um, if you want to better, better. Oh, yeah, she's she's great. She's a Victorianist. She's super good uh v21 collective is her current project it's worth a look um but uh um the point she was making was essentially that like the humanities open things up in a certain way or make us question things in a, in a kind of messy way whereas um data and 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 sort of like quantification uh imagines a world in which all of that's very neat and I think like MMOs are are great. Like I've, we've talked about MMOs on this on this show many times, and I think they're extremely complex and extremely interesting. I think they also force us into this extraordinarily quantified thing where it's like I need this drop, or I need to do this feat, or I need to like we need to beat this boss. Everyone has to do this exact thing. We, we need twenty people at the same point doing it. The odds of us like all getting drops, or you know, it, there's you can break it down so much. 
Right. Whereas and like that's fine on some level, but it also doesn't make you a person. It sort of like takes it away. There's a way in which like efetting at its best is the exact opposite of that. Like it's not quantifiable. It is frustrating. It is maddening. It is like weird and, and like makes you sad and makes you happy. And it's just like, it's very, very different from what we know and what we have in multiplayer now. Yeah, and that's one of the things that, as you were talking, I was going to bring up that the word frustrating is really good in that, like, when you sort of know that not even just knowing exactly how to do do something, but know that there's a formula to do something that's very comforting. Whereas with e-fetting, it because it's all about judging and sort of personal relationships and stuff, it's much less, uh, much less clear as far as what's going on there. So it adds this level of realism that is you making decisions and doing things and putting them out there and not knowing how they're going to come back on you. Um, yeah. And I think that's that's really important for people to engage with. And um, I think that uh, just sort of in general, I, I would like more writing-focused games and communities and stuff. Uh, and so I would definitely be... Uh, I would not be opposed to a resurgence of e-fetting. But, uh, hey, you know, we'll see what happens. All right. Well, that's great, man. Well, um, where can people find you? I said it at the beginning of the podcast, but I want you to be able to plug, um, obviously, uh, at The Near Zone. Uh, but where else? What What else do you want people listening to? Yeah, um, like like uh, Trev said, at The Near Zone. Um you can find uh, Weird a Sport podcast, which is me and Jeff the Professor, uh, just you know trying to meld together different story types with pro wrestling, and that's at uh, weirdofsports.libsyn.com. Libsyn is L I B S Y N. You can also find us on iTunes or any of your podcatchers, uh, Stitcher, and everything like that. Um, you can also, I think, on iTunes and Stitcher and everything, I think you can still check out the World Champions podcast. So give that a listen if you want to hear about uh, pro wrestling history. And nice. um, other than that, you know, I, I'm hoping to make 2018 a big year. So, uh, yeah, follow me at The Near Zone on Twitter, and uh, we'll be making it happen. All right. Excellent. Well, uh, come on again. We'll, we'll definitely talk again soon. And uh, thanks, man. This was really fun. Yeah, this was fun. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. All right, see ya. See ya.